Thanks again, Laura, Rene, for reading God's Word. Uh, we're in a different place in God's Word, and I thank you that you're uh, uh, taking that challenge to do that every week as a congregation. Gracias a todos que leen cada semana la palabra de Dios. You know, I was just nine years old at the time, so tenía nueve años. But I do remember it very clearly. It was May 13, 1973, 1973. Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King squared off in a tennis match. Hubo un juego de tenis entre Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King. This was not a friendly match, mind you. It was a match that was actually billed as the Battle of the Sexes. Se llamaba la Batalla de los Sexos. Why was that? Well, Bobby Riggs was a very successful pro tennis player, and he boasted, he bragged that even at age 55, he could beat the best woman tennis player in the world. Bobby Riggs se jactaba de poder ganar a la mejor jugadora aún teniendo 55 años. Billie Jean King, she was that player. She was the best in the world in the women's uh, circuit. Uh, Billie Jean King fue la mejor jugadora. And so they squared off. They faced off on the tennis court. Se enfrentaron. And in the end, Billie Jean King won. She came out on top. Ella ganó. And not only did she win on the tennis court, she won in the court of public opinion as people came to realize and to take seriously that women could play professional sports at a high level. Ella ganó en la cancha y en la corte de la opinión pública porque la gente veía que una mujer podía jugar tenis muy bien. Now that was 47 years ago. That's a long time ago. But let me tell you, the battle of the sexes didn't start back then. No comenzó allí la batalla de los sexos. Oh, no. It's been going on for a long time. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Comenzó en el huerto de Edén. We find there that, that Eve, deceived by the serpent, offered to Adam the forbidden fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. Eva le ofreció a Adán el fruto prohibido del, del, del árbol conocimiento del bien y mal. And Adam took it. Adam ate it. Adam lo comió. She did too. And the two of them sinned against God. Los dos comieron y pecaron contra de Dios. Now Eve sinned because she listened to the serpent. Instead of listening to God, Eva escuchó a la serpiente en vez de a Dios. And Adam sinned because he listened to Eve instead of God. Adam escuchó a Eva en vez de a Dios. The two of them sinned. And Eve blamed the serpent for her problem. Eva echó la culpa a la serpiente. And, and certainly he was partly to blame. He brought the temptation. Tenía algo de la culpa. But get this. Adam blamed Eve. The very person God had gifted to him. Given to him as a gift. Adán echó la culpa a Eva. El regalo que Dios le había dado a él. And as a result of this whole mess, it caused a rift. It caused a division. It caused a separation between the sexes, between the genders. Hubo una, una separación entre los sexos. And there were all kinds of negative results that came out of that. Había muchos resultados negativos. Genesis 3.16 talks about those results. For example, one of the things that came out is that the Bible says that the man 
would rule over the woman. El hombre reinaba sobre la mujer. In other words, he would seek to dominate instead of cooperate. Él iba a dominar en vez de cooperar. And that was not good for the woman. But at the same time, we're also told that the weeds would rule over the man. Las malas hierbas reinaban sobre el hombre. He would have to work, sweat, slave away just to eke out a living, just to give enough food for his spouse, his wife, his family, his children. Él tendría que trabajar duro para dar comida a la familia, incluyendo a su esposa. And so, in the original battle of the sexes, both men and women lost. Everyone was a loser. Todos salieron perdiendo en la batalla original. Now, I share that with you this morning as, as background into the, the story of the next judge that we see here in Judges 4, so el trasfondo de jueces 4. And again, I want to take you through this. Now, in a way, this is familiar because, again, we're seeing the, the downward spin cycle at work here. Hay uh, el ciclo descendente del pecado de Israel. It says in Judges 4, 1, that after Ehud the judge died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Después de la muerte de Ahod, de juez, los israelitas volvieron a hacer lo que ofende al Señor. They sinned. They went back to the same old habits. And the result of sin, as we've learned now about this cycle, the result of sin is slavery, cayeron en la esclavitud, verse 2 says that God sold them into the hands of a man named Jabin, who was a Canaanite king. Los vendió el Señor en manos de Javín, un rey cananeo. And it says that Jabin had quite an army. He had a commander by the name of Sisera. Sisera era su comandante. And, and get this, Sisera is going around with 900 iron chariots. That would be like driverless cars today, okay? superior technology, and he's running over the Israelites for 20 years. Cicera tiene 900 carros de hierro y está atropellando los Israelitas. They're oppressed. And so what do they do? They do what they always do at this point in the cycle. They cried out to the Lord. Volvieron a clamar al Señor. Now, at this point in the cycle, you'd expect the book of Judges to say something like this. God raised up so-and-so to be the deliverer. God raised up so-and-so to be the judge. Uno esperaría que Dios dijera, Dios levantó a, a fulano para ser el juez o libertador. But it doesn't say that. It simply says very casually that there was this woman named Deborah, a prophetess, who was exercising leadership at that time. Deborah gobernaba. Ella era profetisa. She was holding court. She wasn't in a tennis court, but she was holding court, it says, under a palm tree, deciding disputes for people. She was acting as a regional leader. Ella estaba, uh, tenía tribunal ante, uh, debajo de una palmera donde rendía decisiones. And the people were coming to her, looking to her for leadership. Where were the men? It doesn't seem that there were many men to be found. The, the men either were incapable or unwilling of stepping up. No había hombres para liderar. And yet it seems from this text that Deborah, although she was exercising leadership and although she was very wise, Deborah was not the one God was calling as a military leader to deliver Israel. Dios no llamaba a Deborah para ser el libertador militar. Why, even Deborah herself says that because in verse 6 it says she sent for Barak son of Abinoab from Kedish and Naphtali and she said to him 
The Lord God of Israel commands you, go, take 10,000 men. I will lure Sisera, the commander, and it basically says, the Lord's going to give him into your hands. Dice Deborah Barak, hijo de Abinoam, el Señor Dios Israel ordena, ve, reúne, diez mil hombres. Yo atraeré a Cícera y allí lo entregaré en tus manos. So Deborah says, God's saying this, go and, and, and take care of this. So she's not the one. It would appear that Barak is the one that God has tapped to provide this military leadership. Dios ha tocado a Barak para ser el líder militar. And yet, Barak doesn't seem to be very cool with this plan. He doesn't like what he hears. Barak no quiere hacer ese plan. Verse 8, he replies and basically says, If you go with me, Deborah, I'll go. If you don't go with me, I won't go. Solo iré si tú me acompañas, de lo contrario no iré, dice Barak. What's going on here? Well, in a way, Barak is hesitant. He's reluctant. Él es renuente. He's acting a lot like his ancestor Adam. Es como Adán. When Eve spoke with the serpent, when Eve was in the garden all alone in that dangerous part in the middle of the garden, where was Adam? ¿Dónde estaba Adán cuando Eva hablaba con la serpiente? Some Bible scholars think he may have been standing right there next to her, but didn't say a thing. Didn't want to get involved. Maybe that's the case. A lo mejor estaba a su lado y ni quería decir una palabra. We don't know. Or it could have been that he was off somewhere else, neglecting his wife. Estaba en otro lado dejando a su esposa. She was supposed to be a help to him, but when she needed him most, he wasn't a help for her. He was passive. He was absent. Adán era pasivo, no le ayudó a ella. And, and here, in a sense, Barak is kind of acting in a very similar passive way. He's like, hey, you know what? You take the lead, Deborah. I'll only go if you go. Hold my hand, please. Él quiere que Deborah le sostenga la mano. What is he doing? He's looking to Deborah, and he's wanting to follow her instead of looking to God and wanting to follow him. Mira una mujer para seguir a ella en vez de mirar a Dios. And even Deborah's not cool with that plan. She says, okay, all right, I'll go with you. Verse 9, but here's the thing. Because of the way you're going about this, the honor of the victory is not going to be yours. The Lord is going to hand over Sisera to a woman. Iré contigo, dice Débora, pero por la manera en que vas a encarar este asunto, la gloria no será tuya, ya que el Señor entregará a Sisera en manos de una mujer. And so finally, in this little tug of war between Deborah and Barak, they kind of get it together and they go off to battle. Van a la batalla. And that's where we come to Judges chapter 4, verse 14. Jueces 4, 14. This is a little beyond our reading. It says this, Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Adelante, dice Deborah Barak, Este es el día que el Señor entregará a Sisera en tus manos. And then it says, At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot 
and fled on foot. Ante el avance de Barak, Señor desbarató a Cícera a filo de espada con sus carros y su ejército, a tal grado que este Cícera saltó de su carro y huyó a pie. So get the picture. Deborah says go, God's saying go, God goes ahead, Barak gets the victory, he defeats everybody but one. The top guy, derrota a todos menos la cabeza. Cícera escapes, se escapa, Cícera. And that's where we come to a second battle of the sexes in this text. Hay una segunda batalla de los sexos aquí. It starts in verse 17. Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber the Kenite. Cícero había huido a pie hasta la carpa de Jael, esposa de Eber, Kenita, pues había buenas relaciones entre Javín, el rey de Hazor, y el clan de Eber. So he flees to the tent of uh, supposedly this Israelite woman, es una mujer israelita, but, you know, they, their clan has kind of made good relationships with the, with the king. Su clan tiene buena relación con el rey. So, so it's, you know, they're supposed to be on their side. Están de su lado, de Cícero. And it says, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. And he entered her tent and she put a covering on him. Ella salió al encuentro y Sisera le dijo, Adelante, mi señor, entre usted por acá, no tenga miedo. Y él entra y ella le cubre de una manta. And then he says, Hey, I'm thirsty, could I get a drink of water? Tengo sed, podrías darme un poco de agua? She does one better. It says, she opens a skin of milk and gives him a drink and covers him up. Ella destapó un odre de leche, le dio de beber y volvió a cubrirlo. So get the picture here. Jael comes, lets him in, covers him up, gives him some warm milk, probably tells him a bedtime story. I don't know. Ella le da leche, le cubre. It's all cozy. It's all comfy. It's all safe. Todo está comodito, segurito. And then we come to verse 21, versículo 21. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quickly to Sisera while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Jael, esposa de Eber, tomó una estaca de carpa, un martillo, y con todo sigilio se acercó a Cícera mientras este dormía. Entonces ella le clavó la estaca en la sien y se la atravesó hasta clavarla en la tierra y así murió Cícera. Wow. Cícera didn't see that happening. He never anticipated that. Cícera no anticipaba eso. And I don't think Barak, or Barak did either. Barak tampoco. Because if you read on, Barak shows up at the same tent. He shows up to Jael's tent looking for Sisera. He's got the handcuffs. He's ready to arrest him. Barak después comparece para arrestar a Sisera. But it's too late. He's dead. He is dead. Sisera ha muerto. And get this. Deborah's prediction has come true. The glory's not gone to Deborah, but to Jael. She gets the honor, the glory of defeating Israel's enemy and delivering the final blow of, of literally putting the nail in the coffin 
of Sisera. La mujer Jael tiene la gloria de derrotar al enemigo de Israel y de clavar literalmente al enemigo Sisera. Now, this is a very strange ancient story for us, but there's one thing that, that I think screams at us as we look at Judges chapter 4. There's a question that keeps coming up. There are a lot of questions, but the main question is this. Who is Israel's real judge here? Who's the real leader? Who's the real deliverer in this situation? ¿Quién es el verdadero juez, el verdadero líder o, o libertador? Is it Deborah? I mean, she was faithful. Deborah is a godly, wise woman. She hears from God. She faithfully communicates God's word. Is Deborah the true judge here? Is Deborah la mujer que escucha de Dios y fielmente comunica su mensaje con sabiduría? Or is it Barak? I mean, Barak is hesitant. I get it. Barak doesn't want to play ball, but he does eventually do the work, and he kills everybody. He eliminates everybody except for one. Para hace la gran obra de eliminar a todo el ejército menos uno. That's a great feat. Is Barak the true judge? God wanted him to be. Or is it Jael, the woman who delivers the coup de grace, the woman who, who puts an end to the battle. Es Jael, la mujer que termina la batalla. Will the real judge of Israel stand up, please? Who is it? ¿Quién es? Well, if we look at Judges 4.23, I think we find the question answered. Jueces 4.23. It simply says there, on that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites. Aquel día Dios humilló en presencia de los israelitas a Javín, el rey cananeo. Who's the real judge? Who's the real deliverer? The real leader is God. God does the work. Dios hace la obra. Él es el juez y el libertador. And in the process here, in this, in this sometimes confusing story, we see God working through both men and women, imperfect men and women, but he works through them to bring about his plan. And, and the glory in the end goes not only to jail, but the glory goes to God. And he shows that he can work with men and women, and he wants to work with men and women. Dios obra con hombres y mujeres, y no solo Jael, sino Dios recibe la gloria, that's been God's plan from the beginning. God's plan has been to work with men and women. And the true battle that is out there is not the battle simply for trust between the sexes. That's not the real battle. La batalla no es para confianza entre los sexos. The true battle for men and for women both is the battle to trust in God, the battle to trust in Him. And when we don't trust in God, we don't trust in one another. La batalla es de confiar en Dios, y cuando no confiamos en Dios, no confiamos unos en otros. It wasn't meant to be like that. Go with me back to Genesis 1.27, and we see the original plan of God, Genesis 1.27. It simply says, God created man, that is the human race, in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. Dios creó al ser humano a su imagen, lo creó a imagen de Dios, hombre y mujer los creó. Men and women were both created in the image of God. 
Los hombres y las mujeres fueron creados a imagen de Dios. Now that means that, that yes, as individuals, as individual men and women, we reflect God in the world. But I think it also means something else. It means that men and women together, as a team, were meant to show the presence of God in the world, to show the quality and the character and the reality of God in the world. Hombres y mujeres como equipo fueron creados para mostrar la realidad y el carácter de Dios en el mundo. But, but sin messed up that plan. When we sinned, it not only messed up the image of God within us and twisted that, but it messed it up between the sexes. El pecado arruinó algo de la imagen de Dios entre los sexos. It created that rift. We're broken in our relationships, including men and women. We're living in a day of me too and, and, and discrimination and, and hatred and what we call misogyny, the hatred of women and the hatred of men and, and, and bagging on both. And there's a lot of bad blood. Hay mucha mala sangre entre los sexos. And we can't fix that. We need God to step in and intervene. Dios tiene que intervenir. God needs to show up. And that's where the gospel comes in. That's where God's plan to restore all things comes in. God has intervened by sending his son Jesus to die, by sending his son to rise. Dios intervino enviando a Jesús para morir y resucitar. But in that we need to see something beautiful. In sending Jesus, God reverses the curse of Eden. Dios pone al reverso la maldición de Eden. How did sin come into the world? Well, if you want to get technical about it and go back to Genesis, you would say sin entered the world through a woman, Eve. El pecado entró por medio de una mujer. And so death entered into the world as well. Eve was the mother of the living, and yet death entered through her. Eva era madre de los vivientes, y sin embargo vino la muerte por medio de ella. So when God wants to reverse the curse, how does eternal life enter the world? ¿Cómo entra la vida eterna al mundo? How does God's saving power enter the world? It entered, sin entered through the fruit that was forbidden, but eternal life enters through the fruit of Mary's womb. El fruto del vientre de María. That's where eternal life comes into the world. It is through a woman, Mary. And God decides to start working out his plan. And it doesn't stop there. No para ahí. Look with me at the Easter story, Matthew 28, verse 5, Mateo 28, versículo 5. Listen, it says, The angel said to whom? To the women. Do not be afraid. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's risen. Go quickly and tell the disciples. No tenga miedo, dijo el ángel a las mujeres. Sé que ustedes buscan a Jesús, fue crucificado, no está aquí, pues ha resucitado. Vayan a decirles a los discípulos. So, sin came in through a woman in the garden. El pecado entró en una mujer en la, el jardín. But how does resurrection life come into the world? How does the good news come in? It comes in when the angel tells the truth to the women. The serpent lied to the woman in the Garden of Eden. The angel tells the truth to the women in the garden where Jesus rose. 
La serpiente mintió a la mujer en el huerto de Edén, pero el ángel les dice la verdad a las mujeres en el huerto donde Jesús resucita. Curse is reversed. In fact, this is a very powerful argument that the stories of the resurrection in all four Gospels of the Bible are accurate. Es un argumento que apoya lo que tenemos aquí, la historia de la resurrección. Why? Well, if you were in ancient times and you wanted to just fabricate a story about Jesus rising from the dead, if you wanted to make it really good, don't put women in it. Because back then women were considered to be terrible witnesses, unreliable. You don't want to have them in your story. It's going to mess it up. Si quieres fabricar una mentira de la resurrección, no pongan a mujeres enfrente. Ellos, ellas eran testigas terribles en aquel entonces. Se le creía. So don't put women in that story. If, if you want to have a really powerful uh, fable or legend about the resurrection, get the men in there first, the strong men. Put them up front. But that's not what we have here. No tenemos eso aquí. Why? All four Gospels say the good news came to women. There's only one reason that that would be in the Gospels that way. That that's the way it really happened. Así ocurrió. It really happened that way. And you see, God wants us to see that He is working out His plan. God used Deborah, Barak, Jael, working together, imperfect, but working together to defeat Israel's enemies and bring the glory to God. Dios usó a Débora, Barak, Israel para traerle la victoria a Dios y a Israel. And God wants to use us, men and women, in the church. In fact, I believe that this is what is needed in our day and age where the battle of the sexes continues to rage. Men and women together we're called to share the message of Jesus and we're called not just to show the image of God in the world, we're called to work together and show the image of Jesus. We're called to show Jesus together. Somos llamados no solo a mostrar la imagen de Dios, sino la imagen de Jesús. And God's word really does encourage us to see the value of men and women in God's plan. If you look at Acts chapter 2, 18, Hechos 2, 18, it says, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. En esos días derramaré mi espíritu aún sobre mis siervos y mis siervas y profetizarán. Men and women are to receive the spirit and to share the message of Jesus together. Juntos, hombres y mujeres, mostramos el mensaje de Jesús por el Espíritu. And then there's a great scripture in Galatians 3.28, Galatas 3.28. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. No hay judío, ni griego, esclavo, ni libre, hombre ni mujer, sino que todos ustedes son uno solo en Cristo Jesús. What's that saying? It's saying that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, overcomes the curse. He overcomes the curse of racism. He overcomes the curse that separates us by socioeconomic groups. And he overcomes the things that are between men and women so that we're one. 
We're together. Jesús supera el racismo, las diferencias socio socioeconómicas y las batallas entre los sexos. That's a good thing for us. That's a good thing for me. I want you to think about your relationships with the opposite sex, if you're married or not. Piensen en sus relaciones del, del sexo opuesto. God would call us to treat one another with dignity, honor, respect. And to do that, not looking to the opposite sex, but to Jesus to meet our deepest need. Tenemos que mirar a Jesús, no al sexo opuesto, para cumplir con nuestras necesidades. I need to understand my wife cannot be all for me. I think about this this week. I think, you know, this week we've lived in our life a typical week. There are times when there is the battle of the sexes going on. Hay tiempos de batalla entre los sexos. And yet there are times when I understand I need to listen to my wife. God is speaking to me through her. And I need to, to listen to him. I need to listen to her too. Tengo que escuchar a mi esposa porque ella muchas veces me habla de Dios. And I realize that she is in my life because God wants to use her to grow me spiritually. And perhaps, by God's grace, I can be of the same value to her. Por la gracia de Dios, a lo mejor yo le puedo ayudar a ella a crecer espiritualmente como ella me ayuda a mí. But in the end, what we need to do is understand there's only one judge, one deliverer, one who is worthy of all of our trust, and it's Jesus. Jesús es el libertador y el juez. The battle and the victory belong to him. De él son la batalla y la victoria. Let's pray together. I don't want us to pray into these relationships between the sexes. Vamos a orar. Lord, I thank you that wherever we go in your word, we can open something up and find that it speaks to our lives today. It's not always a comfortable word, but I, I pray that we can receive here today whatever it is that you want to share with each person. I want to pray for the marriages within the Sunrise family and even in our world. Quiero orar por los matrimonios en nuestra iglesia. I want to pray that, that we who are married can express in our relationship a, a, a fullness of who Jesus is, of what love is about, what sacrifice is about. Que podamos expresar lo que es el sacrificio, el amor de Cristo. And for those who are not married, I want to pray also a, 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 a help in relationships with the opposite sex. Lord, as we, as we relate to uh, members of the opposite sex at work, in, on the streets, wherever we go, help us to show forth the way that Jesus treated people, the, the way Jesus treated the women that he ministered to. Ayúdanos a modelar lo que mostraba Jesús en sus relaciones con las mujeres, Señor. That there would be a, a, just a, an understanding, God, of, a, of your love for each person. And God, I pray that, that your reconciling power would overcome our division. Supera nuestra división, Señor. We ask these things knowing that you alone can win the battle, including the battle of the sexes. We ask it in Jesus' name. In el nombre del Señor Jesús te lo pedimos. Amen.